it is a joy to be able to to meet you and to speak this morning i thank god for this opportunity uh we're meeting after a long time many of us it's good to see you i want to ask to dwell on an a new area we we normally don't talk about it in in our circles enough i believe is the whole area of uh, being merciful uh matthew chapter 5 verse 7 blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy part of the beatitude sermon on the mount uh blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy again uh, comes very forcefully in uh, luke chapter 7 uh, 6 Luke chapter six, um, verse thirty-six: Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. And then the following verse is also I like to read thirty-seven: Do not judge, and you will not be judged; and do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. pardon and you will be pardoned 38 give and it will be given to you they will pour out into your lap a good measure pressed down shaken together and running over for by your standard of measure it will be measured to you in return for by your standard of measure it will be measured to you in return basically what we give is what we get uh verse 31 puts it very clearly in the same chapter luke 631 treat others the same way you want them to treat you matthew 5 7 again blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy 636 luke be merciful just as your father is merciful why is god wanting us to dwell on mercy because he is merciful he is a merciful father and he wants his children to imitate him to look like him to show his character in our life merciful what is mercy i think we need to begin there mercy is basically um not receiving what we deserve when it is the power of god to harm us him choosing not to harm us is mercy after having done the wrong when i stand before god that is mercy and when he asks us to be merciful same thing the person before us has done wrong has failed a test and is asking for forgiveness mercy after having done wrong by your standard of measure it will be measured 
to you in return. The world does not show mercy. The world does not know mercy. Because it does not receive mercy, it looks mercy as weakness. You and I are called to be merciful, full of mercy. See, what is God saying to us? Life on earth is a chance for us to be his children, to imitate him, to, in our way, in our life, be like him, like the father. In a world that does not know mercy, does not, you know, show mercy, he is expecting you and me to be merciful in our dealings. And then the aftermath of that is that one day you will stand before me in need of mercy. In presence of God, in need of mercy, when nobody else can give you mercy, only one. And he says, I will be merciful. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. That's the future. How much we should be merciful? How much more should we be merciful? You know why we have a problem being merciful? I've been chewing over this for a while. You know why we are unable to be merciful? Because we are judge, judging. We take on the role of judging people. We like to judge people. Oh, he's lazy. You know, even I, after understanding this, I have gone into um, the parable of rich man Lazarus. Look at that. Why couldn't the rich man have mercy on Lazarus? Because he probably judged him. Oh, I know his family. They're lazy. That one thought, that one thought can turn us away from mercy to judgment. And by definition, mercy says there is a reason for their fault. They are at fault. Because mercy is not receiving what they deserve. So they deserve judgment, they deserve punishment, but God is calling us to go one step higher. Say, don't, don't judge. All have failed. They have failed. And as you go about it, remember, you have also failed. And I'll have mercy on you. I'll not do what you deserve. I'll not give you what you deserve. Likewise, don't give what that cook of yours, that maid of yours, that driver of yours, that watchman of yours, or, your, or somebody, some Lazarus placed on your doorstep. Everybody's placed a Lazarus on our doorstep. I mean it. We all have been given our Lazaruses. And the chances are, if we judge, we will not be merciful. God is calling us to be merciful. 
James chapter 2, verse 13. That's a very strong verse. For, the, for judgment, James chapter 2, verse 13. For judgment will be merciless to one who has shown no mercy. For judgment will be merciless to one who has shown no mercy. Wow, that's a strong word. Judgment will be merciless to the one who has shown no mercy. Examine ourselves. Have I been merciful? Even when I could judge them, rightly so, in the eyes of the world and in the eyes of the law, they have missed. He took leave, said two days, has come back after four days. I'm right in firing him. Every job, guy will do that. He borrowed some money, said he'll return it in a week. Now he's asking for extension. All the right. Like, likewise, 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 likewise. I won't do this again. He's done it again. Whatever, whatever. See, we often tell ourselves, I run a tight ship here. There's no error, no margin for any error. If God were to do run a tight, tight ship with all of our lives, where there's no margin for error, where will we be? That's where God begins. You will be in need of mercy one day. Be merciful. Be merciful. The world does not give mercy, my friend. If any mercy is in the world, it will be sons and daughters of the king who can be merciful. Who can say, I forgive. The related, the connected next point I want to go is in the area of money. In matters of money, again, the word of God is asking us to be shrewd. I've been re-looking at Chapter 16 of Luke. Chapter 16 is, uh, as you all know, it is uh, the unrighteous steward. It is a passage where this manager is actually doing something wrong. And I have heard many good people, believers, condemn this guy. How could Jesus make this guy look good. Jesus is actually commending this guy. This is wrong. See, we are quick to judge. We like to judge. The one who alone can judge is not judging. And we who have no right to judge <laughs> is busy judging. We are judging this guy. See, just cut to the chase. Just listen to this. Here is a guy who's messed it up. And he knows his time is up. We are, we, you and I are in such a season. It's time up for many. All over the world, around the nation, around us, friends, families, acquaintances, neighbors, are no more. 
you know, but right now, right this morning, there are people gasping in hospitals. I know, I know a young man in his early 30s who's on full ventilator. They've done a procedure in his lung, hoping he will. They've given him time till tomorrow to his family. If he does, he does. If not, they said they've done everything. 33. See, that's the reality all around us. And here is a man who knows his time is up. If you and I are honest with us, the chances for our time being up is real. And see what he's doing. He's using what authority he has, which is he is actually moving wealth of the world from here to there. Instead of leaving it all here and it being useful yeah, and it being useless, he's moving it to the next season of his life. That's what God is asking us to do. Use worldly wealth. Verse 9, 69. And I say to you, make friends for yourself by means of the wealth of unrighteousness. So that when it fails, God is telling us it's going to fail one day. They will receive you into the eternal dwellings. Be merciful in spending money. Give it out. You know, put it into lives. Spread it bigger. Spread it further. Even when your, a part of you says, hey, you're giving too much. You've been more than generous with this family, with this poor family, with your driver, with your watchman, with your cook, with somebody in the office. You've been more than generous. If the spirit of God brought you, my friend, release the resources. Because you and I may be in need to be welcomed into the eternal dwellings anytime. I mean, that's how we are living life now. Be merciful. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Receive you into eternal dwellings. See, often time, we think we don't have enough. That's one of our crises. You know, like, by the way, there are some 40 plus people on the call this morning. If we were given a questionnaire to think how wealthy we are, we will probably put ourselves just above the middle class. But the honest truth is, if you and I are paying tax, we are the top 2% of the country. And I trust all of us are paying tax. Or if you're just filing tax, if you have a PAN card and filing tax, you're the top 5%. I mean, filing your tax returns and not paying tax, you're still in the third to the fifth percentile. 
you're in the top 5%. If you're paying any amount of tax, you're in the top 2%. We are top of the pyramid. We are at the very top. Yes, there are people in the 0.001% who are way, way bigger than us. But the fact remains, you and I are on the top 2 or 3 or 4 or 5% of the entire nation. How awesome is that? And yet, how responsible that, you know, then we need to be. See, we often think we'll do the good things a little later. I worked with a guy who worked with Steve Jobs. Dave is a good friend for years. We worked together. He was a VP for Apple Canada and Apple Europe. He opened up Europe for Apple and Canada for Apple. And he was in the inner circle of Steve's, Steve Jobs' team, the six or seven people that... And he used to say, Steve had... Steve Jobs had seven huge, you know, palatial houses all around the world. He used to take this inner team for planning. They'll go on their private jets. Days of planning, fun, you know, fellowship, targets, whatever, new dreams. And he said many times he's asked Steve over the years, he worked with him for more than 27 years. He said over the years, he's asked Steve, Steve, when are you going to stop? How much is enough? You got all this, man. You know, you, you said you needed more sometime back. I mean, you have more wealth and you know what to do with it. He, it seems he told him, Dave, I need a little bit more. I need a little bit more. Then I will stop. The truth is, Steve never stopped. Never stopped. And one of his, one of the most poignant things is Steve's video from his deathbed. I don't know if you have not, if you have seen it or not. If not, reach out to Samson. I'll have that deathbed video message or confession come out to you where he says, nothing matters in life. Work does not matter beyond a meaningful level. He said, invest it into people, into family, into the things that you love, people you love. Basically saying, I wasted my life. And in a strange way, Dave, who told me this, also ended up believing he needed a little bit more. Now I realize it's not Steve Jobs' problem alone. It's a monumental, humongous, global, generational problem. We all believe the lie that we need a little bit more before I give, before I stop, before I run this mad rat race, I need a little bit more. A little bit more. Never got anybody out of the rat race. Never did. Never is now or in the future. A little bit more. A little bit more. Finally, I want to, I want to expand this to the verse that the Lord gave me for this year. 
already shared this. It's actually a thought that I have shared this before in this uh, podium. Also, uh, an article is on the way to you. Uh, CBMC uh, article for this this month. Isaiah 54, verse 2. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Spare not. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your pegs. Enlarge the place of your tent. It means a lot of things. But the one area that I want to focus on today for this, this morning is enlarge your circle. How big is your circle? Enlarge your circle. Some of us have made the mistake of drawing the circle, touching our toes, touching our heels, or maximum touching the toes and heels of our family. It's only us. Your heavenly father is one who drew a circle so big, it enveloped the whole world. God so loved the world, the whole globe he drew, my friend. His circle was a huge, the whole globe, everybody in it. Past, present, future, I want them restored. How big is your circle? How big is your circle? See, there's an amazing passage. Acts 27, we have Paul on journey to Rome. He's a prisoner and the ship is, you know, ship runs into a storm. And yeah, actually 27, uh, Acts 27. And for 14 days, it's being buffeted. And Paul rises and says in verse 20. Three, for this very night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood before me, saying, do not be afraid. Paul, you must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who are sailing with you. Why is God granting all those who are staying with Paul? All those who are sailing with Paul. Why is, he God, why is God granting Paul? all of those who are sailing on that ship because Paul asked for them. Next, in verse, you know, 34, it says, take courage, not a half from the head of any of you will perish. He's encouraging them. He's the slave on the ship, by the way. He's the only prisoner there. Rest are all free people, soldiers and sailors and other Traders, 37 people, verse 37, all of us in the ship were 276 persons, 276 people. Paul is claiming everybody on the ship, their life from God. Not only me, not only my soldiers were guarding me, 
not only the cook who has been good to me, or the captain who has been considerate to me, or my countrymen who are traveling with me. I want everybody on the ship saved. And God gave. What a testimony. You and I are failing in this area of drawing the circle. That's what the rich man did. His circle was him, his family, his parents, his brothers, and their families. And yet, God persistently gave him an opportunity to expand his circle. See, my friend, if you and I are not expanding our circle, our children are not going to expand our circle. Your, your fellow uh, team, your managers are not going to expand their circle. People imitate what they see. If you and I enlarge our circle so much that we minister, that we care for strangers, then people in our life and in our circle will also start to expand their circle. Expand your circle. Enlarge your circle. Our Heavenly Father drove this circle all around the world. How we can turn the tide of things when the world is so selfish. You and I can go the other way. Can turn things around in an amazing way. I believe God is giving us an opportunity to be merciful again because we will be in need of mercy someday. Reminding us to be generous to a fault. Not worry about our future because he has our future all covered. And then thirdly, he's asking us, reminding us how big he drew his circle. And as sons and daughters, he's asking us to be bold enough to, to look to God, to provide, to expand our circle. He's, he's the one providing. It is all his. As David says, Everything we've given you are things that you gave. So may God delight in us these days. Psalm says, if he withdraws the, turns his face and withdraws the breath, where will we be? That's true for all of us. Let's be merciful because God is merciful to us. He's given us one more day. One more day to show mercy. One more, one more day to forgive. One more day to let go. May this be the healing of the world that the world needs. This is the healing of the societies, the communities, the families, our homes that our families need. May God be delighted in and through us. Shall we pray? Father God, Thank you for reminding us to be merciful and that you are father of mercy. Help us to learn mercy from you, Lord. Teach us mercy. Help us. Teach us not to judge, but to forgive, to be merciful. Remind us that we have already received much from you.
and that we owe much to those around us. Help us to be open-handed, to be generous. And Lord, help us to draw our circles huge, not just for our family, not just for my, me and mine. Help us to include people who we do not know. Help us to think of the orphans, the widows, the abandoned elderly, the abandoned one, the forgotten ones. And then our business, our workplace has a greater meaning. Then our resources have greater purpose. Then our properties and our establishment, our investments has greater favor of God because our circle is huge. And God himself is orchestrating everything for us. May that be our experience. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.